Welcome back to our final installment of Egypt. This week, we will be cruising the Nile as our guests take us through a memorable trip exploring the country's most ancient cities. Sit back and relax on our riverboat cruise as we talk mummies, pharaohs, and scarabs. Start planning today and take that trip you've always wanted to. Every adventure gives you the opportunity to experience something new. Traveling will pay tenfold what you pay to actually do it. This is Inspire Beyond Borders, and we're here to help you see the world. We finally get to the Nile. We get to Luxor. You guys have already met on the train, but now you're taking the same cruise, although you didn't end up on the same boat, did you? No, we did not. I think we assumed it would be on the same boat because we got picked up by the same tour company. And then Larry and co were taken one way, we were taken another way, and that was it. We didn't see them for another day. As you get to your first place, Luxor, you arrive about 8 a.m. What were some of the first things that you saw? We got there really early in the morning to the boat, and the, it was interesting because the check-in time isn't until like 2 p.m., but the train gets you there at 8 a.m. Like, you know, it was pretty early when we were there. So we actually hung out in the lobby of, um, of the riverboat cruise for a while, and then luckily enough, we were able to get in to our rooms. I think they let us in at 12.30. And then our first trip was to Karnak Temple, and that was, I think, that our tour guide picked us up at 3 p.m. from um, the port that we were in in Luxor. And so we went to Karnak Temple the second most visited site in all of Egypt, actually. That was pretty wild. We were able to walk through, like, the town of, of Luxor to get there. And um, and then it's, like, it's kind of like a longer walk to get down to Karnak Temple. And you just, the first thing you kind of see is these, like, massive walls. You know, they're about 80 feet tall uh, when, you're, when you're walking into it. And the one thing that I, I remember a great deal of in Karnak was uh, the first thing I kind of noticed they had like a mound of dirt leading up on the backside of the wall. Once you, once you entered into the temple, there was like this large mound of dirt and the guide had told us that's exactly how they built the wall up that high is that they would just take, you know, these large stones and they would like shimmy it up this mound of dirt and then they would constantly like build the dirt up and build the dirt up and build the dirt up as as higher as they could go. So um, I thought that was pretty remarkable. There are these amazing columns throughout the entire temple, um, ranging in like different heights with hieroglyphics all around them. Uh, that that was pretty spectacular. And uh, no, it's just I mean it's an unbelievable, unbelievable site. They have this. Uh, Toward the back of the temple, there's there's this like large scarab, which is like the scarab beetle. And our tour guide that first day in Luxor had you know had like told us they're like oh there's you know there's this great tradition that if you like circle the scarab it means different things, and if you like you know you circle it like four times, four or five times, you're gonna like find your true love soon. Within a year, you'll find your like true love. If you circle it like six or seven times, you'll find your true love and get married. And then if you circle a little more, you'll like have a baby. So um, one of the guys that I was with, who I hope doesn't listen to this, but um, he like circled that thing, man. He was like around it like 10 times. And he was like he was racing around that thing or whatever. So it was pretty funny. But And then the next day we had it, you know, we were on a different tour at Valley of the Kings <laughs> and that uh, the our tour guide there totally debunked any of that. She was like, "That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard." So we like got a pretty good laugh at, out of that. Larry, how dizzy were you after running around the scarab about twenty times? <laughs> I go around that thing one time. <laughs> I oh bullshit! The minute the guy said it, so <laughs> <laughs> okay. So 
you get there really early, as you said, and you can't technically get on the boat until two. What do no, you do with? Oh, what? No, you can. You just can't check into the room. They allow. Oh, okay. Boats. You just can't get into the room. So how do you? What do you do with your luggage during that time? I mean, we sat in the lobby for like a couple hours though, and then um, they. Like I said, they let us in at like 12.30, and then on the top deck, they had like a bar, and they had like some weights and some benches and things like that, and they had like, you know, like the reclining chairs that you can sit on and everything. So we actually, at like 12.30, we kind of just got like a drink and kind of like hung out on the top of you know, on the boat, because, I mean, it was still beautiful, like, being surrounded, you know, like, that was, like you said, when we were on, like, the Nile, and, like, being able to see everything else around it, like, on both banks of the Nile, you could still see, so we didn't know it at the time, but we would still be able to look out to, like, the west bank of the Nile to see where we would be going the next day, so, but it was, uh, it was just, it was nice and relaxing after, you know, the ridiculous, like, traveling the way we did the day before in Cairo and then sleeping on a train, you know, it was kind of nice to just kind of kick back and relax for a minute. You said this was the second most visited place in Egypt. What makes it so significant? It's absolutely phenomenal. You walk into this place and you're sort of not, I wasn't expecting something as big. The grandeur behind it is amazing. So you just kind of walk along, and I didn't know the story about the dirt, actually. And you go through, like, a walkway, and it looks as if you're just going into this town. And then all of a sudden, you just see these pillars that just go up to up to the sky. And there's a deep blue, like, sky in the background as well. So the pictures are beautiful. You see all the hieroglyphics. And you can just walk about and sort of get to most places in, in the site. And then our tour guide, pretty good, actually, he took us into probably illegally, took us into one of the buildings that they were renovating and, and redoing a lot of the facade, and was like, take a look. So we scramble up this little scaffolding as we get inside, and um, you can just see the vibrant blues and red colours along the wall where they've done all the paintings. It was just, it was amazing. So Yaz, did you end up circling the scarab? <laughs> <laughs> we weren't even told about the scarab. Our tall guy clearly had no faith in us. And he was like, no, these two don't care. They're brother and sister anyway. It doesn't matter. And he just sort of left us out of it. But we could see the guys, like, we could see Larry and the boys ahead of us at every step of the way. So I think they must have gotten there maybe like 15 minutes in ahead of us. So I looked over and I was like, hey, it's those guys from yesterday. Because I just didn't think that we'd see them again. And then that's when, but we didn't see them circling it. So maybe it didn't happen. If it's, you know, all in there. What really happened was... Larry got there 15 minutes before you guys. He was circling the whole time. And they're like, excuse me, um, sir, stop. If you keep walking around this, you're going to ruin this ancient place. And we need you to relax a little bit. <laughs> I think the thing is, is that, like, for that site, our boat was closer to that site than theirs was. So, like, our boat was closer to Karnak Temple. But, like, I remember them getting on the water before us because they were further down the Nile, which was a little closer to, like, you know, we had a little bit of a drive the next day to get to, like, Valley of the Kings and Hepcheat Suits, you know, her temple and things like that. So they were a little closer to that. Are they in the, in the same area, the Temple of Luxor and Karnak Temple? Or are they two separate things? Two separate things in the same city, but obviously you can go... You go to the point, you walk through the town to get to Luxor Temple because that's sort of like central, whereas Karnak's further out. What temple did you enjoy more, uh, Karnak Temple or Temple of Luxor? I preferred Karnak. I think it was just bigger and bolder and a little bit more spectacular. But they took us to Luxor Temple at night time, and I think they do it on purpose because, again, when you light it up at night and you sort of walk along and you sort of get the feeling of how it would be, I think they do it on purpose, and it's very well done. What is it like seeing one of those ancient cities lit up at night and being able to get that experience of maybe where an ancient Egyptian culture had basically started and seeing these things and enjoying it at night? I think it made me feel really small in a good way. Like, you sort of walk along and you don't realize 
that these people had such technology to make things this big, to make things so grandiose and you're wandering along and you just think, how did they even do this? How did they put this all together in the times that they had with technology? And I just felt really small walking through and looking around thinking, this is how magnificent it looks now. What would it have looked like then? So Larry, you mentioned there was some shopping to do at night. What kind of shopping are you talking about? Are you talking like small trinkets or was there a market? So, you know, they had like your, what you would picture as like your little convenience stores. Like those are open at night, uh, you know, that you see in most traveling, you know, to get like any kind of like snacks that you wanted or water or whatever it may be. But then we had actually had, we had had someone take us to like a market that was open for, they were going to keep it open, I think, for like another additional half an hour for us. And it was three or four floors. And it was basic, you know, it was basically kind of like different garments that you could get from there, rugs that you could get from there. You know, like you said, like little trinkets that maybe you might be able to like take home. Um, and then there was, they brought us into like this other room where this guy was like selling jewelry. He had like stayed open for us for, you know, to like sell like different jewelry. And a lot of the jewelry, you know, had was about hieroglyphics, had like the designs of like hieroglyphics. And, um, and it was pretty, it was, it was nice. It was nice that the, the person had, you know, stayed open enough for us. You know, it was nice to get out into the city at night. Again, our group had gone to uh, the Temple of Luxor during the day. And then this person brought us back around during the nighttime. So, and it was like, it was like very busy and it was vibrant and people were out and people were at different bars and establishments and things like that. I always enjoy being able to see a place at nighttime and during the day because they're usually like quite different um, experiences when, when you go out at night to, you know, being around in the daytime. What is the temperature at night? Does it really cool off or is it comfortable? I'd say it's comfortable. It goes back down to sort of like the twi- uh, 20s, 70s. That'd be the one. Yeah, it goes back down to um, that low. So it's not particularly hot then. And because you've got the shade at this point, it can get a little bit cooler for the breeze because you're obviously by the Nile. So it's worth sort of taking out a cardigan or something like this if you feel the need to. But it depends on what time of year you go. Because I think when we went, it was still really hot. It didn't. We weren't struggling at all. In this portion of the podcast, we will talk about the Valley of the Kings, the Valley of the Queens, and a minor panic from Larry during his cruise. So just to clear things up, day one in Luxor, you're on the East Bank, which is the Karnak Temple and the Temple of Luxor. Then day two, you get the chance to go to the West Bank, which is the Valley of the Kings. What is your first impression of the Valley of the Kings as you're walking up to it. They take you on a little train. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this little kiddie train, like a choo-choo train <laughs> sitting on this, and you're going along, I, I sort of didn't know what to expect. I hadn't Googled it beforehand or whatever. I just heard about it and read about it. And then I didn't see anything for a while. So I'm thinking, are we, are we actually getting there? Are we going to get to this point? And you go along this little trail, and then I think, did you go to... Hatshepsut first and do her little temple bit first as well. Well, we started with Valley of the Kings. The welcome center for Valley of the Kings is probably a good half a mile from where you actually start going into um, the site. And I, the one thing, like as soon as you said that, the one thing that came to my mind was strict. In, in comparison to like other places that we had been so far, they were very, very strict. No cameras, no phones, I mean, nothing. You couldn't take anything in there. Um, it was very, yeah, they were very, very, very strict. But then once you, you know, once you're kind of at the site and then you're actually able to enter the tombs. So what they do is they open up four tombs every four to five years. So there's beyond, you know, 50 tombs that are there. So 50 burial sites, but they only open, and it's totally all about preservation. So they only open up for, like I said, every four or five years. From 
the paintings that are on the wall as you like walk down into the tombs and that it's, it's it's very breathtaking and i was kind of in awe of it to be quite honest with you the closest thing that i had seen to, to anything like that was walking to the pyramid two days prior is this something your tour guide tells you beforehand that you're not allowed to take this stuff with you and you can leave it somewhere because i imagine if you get all the way there is there a place for you to store it? If you bring your phone, well, if you're bringing your phone or a camera or what, what have you? Yeah, at the welcome center. They let you have like a locker at the welcome center. So you were able to go inside. You got to see these, obviously, some of the most significant tombs and, and pharaohs that were buried here. Is it just the tombs? Is that it? Is that all the Valley of the Kings is? Is it just different tombs for different pharaohs? Or are there other things to see when we walked along, it's literally, they do tomb by tomb. So it's, it's a really large area. And if they allowed you to walk around, you could be there for hours going in and out of places. So even when we went, I think because of the tour guide restrictions, we were only there for a set amount of time. I think maybe like an hour, an hour and a half, not more than two hours, I think. But they took us there and then we could only go to certain ones, like Larry had said, that they only had opened up for that particular set of, uh, time of year. But you can, if you look at the map, you can go on for hours and hours because it's so vast. And how much time do they give you there? Like I said, it wasn't very long. Like, they let us go into, to, my brother and I, when we went in with our tour guide, they let us go into two of the um, tombs. And like Larry said, it, it's much more preserved. They've got little walkways. They're sort of like plastic along the side, so you can't sort of see through it. They also tell you not to take pictures with a flash on your camera, but they let us take pictures. And it was just very much going down, preservation. But it was more like you're herded through because it was busier at that time of year. So I would say about two hours is probably what they, roughly a good time to spend down there. You mentioned the pyramids can get quite cramped because of the amount of people that go there. How was the Valley of the Kings compared to that? I think because it was so spread out and, you know, it's only the people that are on that little train that are there kind of like at the same time that you are. I, I didn't find it very crowded at all. I thought that you know, everybody was kind of cordial to one another. And when some people went into the tombs, like our tour guide kept us away and then gave us a bit of history. And then when we would see people come out, then we would go in. So I, I think that they did like a very, a really good job of maintaining that idea. So the next thing you got to see was the Valley of the Queens. How does that compare to the Valley of the Kings? When I walked up to it, I thought it was, I wasn't quite aware of what we were going towards. And it's just sort of two-layered, two-tiered building almost, what it looks like from as you're walking up to it. And there's a walkway. So you're out in the open, you're just surrounded by the desert, and it's sort of windy and there's sand everywhere. And you're walking towards this, and your tour guide's giving you the, the background on Valley of the Queen. And then as you walk up to it, you get closer and you start to see some sort of mini sphinxes by the side. And you think, okay, this is cool. And then you walk up the stairs, and it, as you're walking up the stairs, that you start to see how big this temple is. And again, pillars and statues, and the, the history behind her is really pretty cool. I wasn't aware of a lot of it. And she sort of like had taken over running the country, and she'd done it with a lot of enthusiasm, and she was quite sneaky with being a woman as well at the same time. She's very intelligent with how she did it. Um, and again, I thought I was unsuspecting when I went along, and then really impressed when I left. Personally, I thought the building was much more exquisite. Like, I think in comparison to the two, which is also like quite interesting because willing to hike, it's just over one valley. So they're only separated by one valley, both, you know, both of these structures. And um, I think it was like an 11 minute drive between the two that we had to take. But the structure itself, I was more in awe between between the two of them and then you know learning about how much of a bad she was was kind of cool as well so the structure itself for uh, valley of the queens is more awe-inspiring probably who is it for i think it's all of the wives of like ramesses okay. different multiple ramesses and it's hechitsu who's the big one she's the one who the the temple is named after and all of the big sort of statues are around so would you say that you enjoyed the Valley of the Queens more than the Valley of the Kings? I did, personally, yeah. 
So you see the Valley of the Kings and the Valley of the Queens. You get back to the river cruise, and this is when the river cruise officially starts. And you start making your way down the Nile. And Larry, you have here that there's a little boat incident that happened. So do you want to shed some light on that? I had decided, you know, we're, you know, we're sailing along here, you know, and uh, I'm like the two other, you know, my colleagues, they're up on the top deck and they're, you know, working on their tan. And I was just like, all right, sun's a little hot for me. Like, I'm going to go back down and kind of cool off in my room. So I go down to my room and I hear this, like, there's like this thud going against the boat. And I'm like, what is that noise? And then... I'm like, so I, I like go to my window and I open up the, the curtains and I look over and there's like this little boat with these like guys like trying to like hook on to do the, to the cruise. So I'm totally like, oh hell no. So I like go out to like, to the lobby and I'm trying to tell the person at the lobby. So in my mind, like I'm running through all of these situations and like the media's got me thinking we got like Egyptian pirates or Somali pirates trying to like hook into the boat and stuff. So I go over and I, I tell, you know, I, I, I'm telling the guy and he's like smiling at me and he's like, nah, no worries, no worries, no worries, my friend, just go up, go up top, go up top and see. So I'm like, all right, I'll go up and top and see. And so I go, I go up to the top, I take the stairs and I'm I'm up on the top deck, and all of a sudden, I see this, like, plastic bag flying in the air. So, it turns out that it's, um, you know, it's these, like, like, merchant people that they're trying to just sell their products. So, what they would do is they attach to the different to the different cruises, and I'm sure, you know, Yaz can attest to this or whatever, but they, like, attach to the, the cruise, and they send their products like they show you what they like like a shirt for a man or you know some kind of like garment something like that maybe a pottery or something and they display it for you in the boat before they put in the plastic and then they throw it up to the top of the boat you take a look at it they allow people to like try on the different clothes and then if you want it with their rope they just pull the rope closer so their tiny boat gets closer to the cruise and you put your money back in the plastic bag and you just drop it down to them and if you don't want whatever they're selling, you just put it back in the bag and the same thing happens again. You just drop it down to them. And they, and they do this. I mean, they must have been attached to the boat. I'm getting an hour and a half. I mean, it was like, it was a pretty, pretty long time. And all I kept thinking about was really going to suck to have to go back upstream to, you know, wherever they had started or whatever, you know. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely... It's just, you know, one of those memories that I, I won't I won't ever forget. I can attest to the fact that he was worried about pirates because he was messaging me that day saying, there's pirates, they're freaking trying to get on the boat. And he was worried about this. And I'm going, dude, we have these crazy boats and they were throwing up, like, you know, wool hanging to us and stuff. And he's like, yeah, it turns out it's the same thing. <laughs> Larry, was, Larry was just having flashbacks of the mummy when Brendan Fraser's boat was capsized and taken over. That's all that was. Your first day on the river cruise comes to an end. How are the sleeping quarters there? Larry's boat was nicer than mine. <laughs> My brother and I got like the four-star package. They put us in the same cabin, so it's fine. It was like twin beds like that. It was smaller, and our boat was like, I think it was probably for the older generation somewhat, and um, it wasn't quite as popular as the big, like, steam engine thing that was going past us and just dwarfed us as it sailed past. So I think they got the better deal. Oh, hands down, we got the better deal. Hands down. Our, our boat was way nicer. We had this, like, golden staircase that led down to where... They, you had all your meals. Like I said, we had the full bar on the top and the little like gym set up. You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I had like a queen size bed in my room and I, yeah, it was like, you know, nice television. Yeah, we definitely got the better deal. Was this, do you think in part due to Larry, you booking way in advance and Yaz, you sort of booking last minute? I would imagine so. I think the early bird got the worm in that case. 
In this segment, we will talk about the city of Edfu, the Aswan High Dam, and the Great Abu Simbel, where everlasting monuments of Ramses II reside. Okay, so the next stop on your trip was at Edfu, and there's a temple there for the god Horus. Would you like to describe this temple? So after just leaving, or having previously just been to Karnak, you get to Edfu, and these walls, the walls of this uh, temple, are like 120 feet tall. So that's the one thing that always kind of like stood out to me as you like, as you approach it. And then there are different, you know, hieroglyphics on the front of this temple. But I thought that the temples are very much set up in the same way, Um, you know, paying homage to the different deities and things like that, I thought. But again, it, it was the same, very similar type of structure. The high walls in the front, columns. Yeah, it was, it was very similar again, but I think the walls felt bigger at Horus. Maybe because it was sort of by itself and it was a little bit out of the way, but I felt like it was much bigger. So when, again, when we were walking up to it, you feel like a tiny little ant and you're sort of scurrying along to get inside the walls and get through. But again, yeah, it's just it's beautiful inside. They've got the hieroglyphics, they've got the pillars and the columns that just sort of go on for years. And I just, I don't know how they did it. It's phenomenal. So in my quick searching of this Temple of Horus, when we got your itinerary, I saw that it's one of the most preserved temples in the country. Is that something you were able to notice? Or was it, is it like, like, is it not really significantly more preserved than the others? I think because the Greeks were able to come in, and I, I think that it's, kind of where it's like situated there wasn't as high traffic coming in there but it, that's definitely something that that you notice um especially when horus had more ceilings than any of the other temples like there was more coverage at horus than i had seen at some other places most of the other temples have a lot of statues outside this temple the temple of horus it seems pretty plain outside until it just seems like the walls. Is that how it is around it, or are these pictures kind of misleading? No, I'm, I'm, I would say that's pretty accurate. There's not a great deal outside of it. Um, again, I you know I agree with Yaz as far as like the wall. The walls are like intimidating. You know, when you're standing up against those the walls, you know, it just um, it's very, very intimidating, and you know the hieroglyphics are very well done on the outside, but yeah, there's not there's not a great deal outside of it. Again, in my very brief research of this temple, one of the things that I saw about the hieroglyphics that are preserved there is that some of them are describing how the temple was built, and if they're as intimidating as you're describing them. Everybody wonders how the Great Pyramids were built. Did you have anybody telling you that that's what those hieroglyphics were saying? Did you come across that in here? Did you hear that at all in your experience? I didn't hear that. Um, okay. I think they said that they... Was it sort of a temple where they would go to war? So, like, the, the front bit of it was very sort of samey and there was nothing else there because they could have been attacked and so they would hide behind those walls. Yeah, I mean, I think the high walls is definitely more of the defensive side of it. I don't remember that piece of it, Jim. I think, you know, like, I remember kind of, like, being walked through it, and then our tour guide, the guide that we had there, again, like, a local person, you know, spent a great deal of time talking to us about, like, Horus, and then talking to us about kind of, like, when the Greeks came in, and, and then there's, like, toward the back of the temple... You, you can kind of, like, see where they had, like, their influence. What did that influence look like? Like, what did you see that what stood out as Greek compared to Egyptian? It was more, like, dedicated to, like, a Ptolemaic family. So I think there was, like, I think in that temple <clears throat> in the back, there was, like, a room with, like, the, their, like, family crests or whatever. 
um, which I can't recall what that looked like now. But but I remember that there was like that piece of like Greek influence uh, toward toward the back of it. I would say. So Edfu, basically the main stop here is the Temple of Horus. Do they take you anywhere else? And if not, how much time did you spend here? And is this a whole day's worth of part of the trip? No, it's not. It's, I feel like Edfu and Komambombo are done in the same day. So Edfu is in the morning. We did this in the morning and then we got back on the cruise and then we went to Komambombo and... Um, so it's just like an, you get a morning tour and then you got an afternoon tour and they were like pretty close. I mean, I, I don't even think it was an hour um, on the boat in between the two. Uh, so it was like, it was fairly close, but, um, but yeah, so it was just kind of like a morning. You got kind of like standard two hours to, you know, walk around. I think like, I would say that the tour guide talked to us for like 20 minutes and then he let us go into like the middle and then he was like, I'll pick you guys back up in the middle and then I'll take you back. That's why I remember like, I remember like the Greek influence because he was like, then I want to talk to you, you know, like I want to talk to you about this stuff. And then, you know, the last 25 minutes was kind of like walk around on your own, take your pictures, you know, um, he, that, that person did a nice job as well. Uh, Cause it was kind of like, it was nice to be able to like split it up because so much of these tours all of the time, you're trying to absorb so much information, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's nearly impossible to like, unless, you know, unless you have a photographic memory to kind of really be able to saturate your brain and take in all this information. And then you think about like, all right, I just learned all this information about Luxor. I'm trying to remember that. And now I'm moving on to Edfu and then boom, in the same day, you're moving on to Komambombo and uh, it's a lot. So Edfu is the beginning of your day. The next part of your trip is Kamambo. This is significant because when people think of the Nile, or at least when I think of the Nile, one of the first things you think of is crocodiles. Maybe because it rhymes. I'm not sure why. But Kamambo is known for their mummified crocodiles. So Larry, what is the significance of these crocodiles and why are they so important to the Egyptian culture? I'm not certain that I'll be able to tell you why they're so important to the Egyptian culture, but I can tell you that the the temple itself is dedicated to crocodile god and the falcon god. So because it's like set in this agricultural setting, I would have, you know, imagining that at the time crocodiles were were highly popular in the numbers. There were large numbers of of crocodiles in this area. And so the temple itself is dedicated to these two gods. So what's interesting is you actually, to see like the mummified crocs, you actually have to walk to a different section. When we went on the tour that we went on, they first take you up to the, the temple itself. And then to get down, it's, it's in its own like separate building. And it's, it's very much the same kind of idea where there's no phones. I mean, you can have your phone in your pocket, but you're not supposed to take pictures. You're not supposed to have your camera out. And the mummified crocs are actually like encased in glass. And the rooms are just dedicated to these mummified crocs, which was something that, again, up to this point, something that I had never seen, you know, before. The like dedication to them and the you know, skill that was put into preserving them. And I was, I thought, it was, you know, I mean, I was like very interested in it. I don't know how Yaz felt. Our story was slightly different. So they said that the falcon was there because it was, like Larry said earlier, it was all farming and agricultural. So the delta around that area is very sort of fertile. And they said that the falcon was there to help see things from above and, and guidance. And then the crocodiles were um, a symbol of fertility. That's why they were really important there because it's fertility for the agriculture, fertility for like humans as well and stuff. And so, again, our tour guide maybe slightly liked the days of on the wall. And he was like, yeah, you can take pictures, just don't put your flash on. So, again, we just had slightly different experiences. They were strict so much to the point that there was a gut, there was like a guard outside of the, the room that was like telling our tour guide, like, make sure that these guys 
you know, know that they can't take pictures and photos and everything else. Kamambo, the city itself, looks really well preserved just from the pictures I can see online. Do any of you, do either of you know how they go about preserving these? Do they limit foot traffic? Are there specific things? Did they mention anything to you guys about that? I think our tour guide said that they were only open certain times of the day, that when it was hotter weather, they sort of closed it down for longer. You then had to wait outside. It was very much ordered when you went in. It wasn't like some of the other places that we went to where you just sort of strolled in. You had your set time. Your tour guide got you there on time. You went in at that time. You left at the the allotted time period. So it was a lot more um, organized, I would say. I think I remember them saying that it wasn't open year round. Like it wasn't something that you, and you, you also have to remember, like, I don't know any other way to, to get to it without being on the Nile River cruise. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't really know how else you would get there unless you hired your own boat to kind of take you there. But you know, I, I do remember them saying that it wasn't open year round, and I do, I do, it, it's coming now. Like my tour guide was very kind of like strict about the time because they were like, we only, you have to be out of here by this amount of time. And I, you know, I remember him saying like, if you and if you want to see uh, the mummified Crocs, you have to be back to me by this time. And like we, you know, like we were very good about keeping up with the time restraints especially when most of us wanted to see everything that we could see. So the guys that I traveled with, they, they wanted to be able to see as much as they could too. So it worked out. Next stop is Aswan and you get off there and there's a couple of minor attractions in the Aswan high dam and the friendship monument. Can you tell us a little bit about those two things? I um, went to Avon because I've studied this since I was a kid in geography. I've, I've put this into exam papers. I'm like, this has got to be something big. This has got to be something phenomenal. We get to the high dam, and the guy, like the tour guide, says, just, yeah, it's fine. You can get out of the car. Just go across the road. And you can take some pictures. And you go out, and you're like, oh, okay. It's really <laughs> underwhelming. Larry's laughing at me because he knows how I feel about this. It's really underwhelming, like... Yes, it's a dam, and it's one of the biggest dams in the world, one of the first dams that they brought out for all of the technology, but it's so underwhelming. You just cross the road, take some pictures, and get back in your car. If you don't want to do every symbol, it's kind of like a letdown to the end of the trip, personally. Did they not take you then to the Friendship Monument? Yeah, but that was underwhelming too. I mean, it's something else. It's in the shape of a lotus flower. Oh, yeah, that was cool. But again, it was just by itself. There was nothing else to do. You just kind of went, ah, take a picture. <laughs> like part of that, that's, that's how they sold the dam. That was not that great. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I feel like I've never been to Hoover Dam, but I feel like I would get more out of Hoover Dam than I got out of the Aswan High Dam. <laughs> we, we lucked out because we had convinced the guy that was taking us to Abu Simbel to bring us to to the Aswan High Dam and the Friendship Monument. The Friendship Monument, is that just friendship in general, or is this friendship between two countries? Is there a significance to this monument? It's for the relationship between Egypt and Russia when they were building the dam, the help that was given for building the dam. You see these two underwhelming things, according to Yaz. The other main attraction here is you're able to rent a car or I guess maybe potentially hop on a bus and go check out Abu Simbel. Three hour ride, like on this like one road that goes forever. I mean you have desert on it was that was actually like wild and talk thinking about like you always hear about like Mirage and, and that type of stuff with the desert. So we got picked up at 3 a.m. by the driver, and then the driver took us, it was three hours to get to the town of Abu Simbel. And we saw Larry's car going past us on several occasions, dangerously overtaking our little minibus. Um, and I was like, oh, look, there's the guys, wave. So, yeah, they, they weren't particularly safe when they drove there either. To be fair, it sounds like you must have passed them at some point too if they were passing you multiple times. We must have done, but we were going at a steady speed. His driver was mental. Like, I'm like, he's going to cause an accident at some point. 
that guy was flying down the road. I mean, I think the point, so we probably passed them right in the beginning because um, before you get to like this long, like very, very long, fast straightaway, you had to like kind of go through the town of like Aswan. And there was like a point where I remember us being stopped at like this checkpoint. And I would imagine that's probably where they got ahead of us again. And then once we were able to hit this straightaway and this guy just hammered down on the gas pedal, we were gone. But I mean, in all fairness to him, he says he, he takes the trip multiple times a day. Well, you definitely got there before us because you'd seen everything by the time we got there, which is why you were so happy. <laughs> After three hours of crazy weaving in and out, Larry, you get to Abu Simbo, and the main attraction here, as I can see it, is this temple built by Ramses II. Can you describe a little bit about that? So after the Sphinx, this was the site that I had wanted to see. You know, you're on the cruise the whole time and everything, you know, it was great, but you're now in front of these massive, 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 you know, there's four of them. So there's four monuments that are, you know, erected for him, for Ramses II, and, you know, based on them moving it, you know, obviously, like, there are parts of it that are not well-preserved. You see in pictures, you know, like, half his face is missing in one of them, and then, like, an arm is missing here, and a leg is missing in a, in a different one, and things like that. But, like, to be able to see the structure built up for, for him was, I, I was totally, like, taken back, and it was, like, one of the times that I can remember our tour guide had had kind of, like, we didn't get really close when he gave us the instruction. So I like, I always found myself like inching a little closer and closer and just kind of like waiting for him to be, to be done because I, I just kind of wanted to like to go up to it. I kind of wanted to go into the temple itself. And I just, I was definitely like awestruck by, by the temple. I don't, I don't know how Yaz felt because I kind of like interrupted her, <laughs> her, her, her lecture, but but I, I was definitely very much uh, about it to, to be able to, to see this. Because for me, the fact that this whole structure had to be moved, you know, in the late 60s because of building, you know, the building of Lake Nasser, thinking that, you know, it was a little like closer to the end of to Egypt or whatever than it is right now. All of it, the idea of them building this, first of all, and then second, for this entire structure, this complex, because there's another temple like a little further, further down, for them to move all of this and then keep it together the way they did, it, it's just, for me, it's just utter amazement. So yes, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience coming up on this temple and getting interrupted by Larry? <laughs> Um, so we'd gone along and again, like I said, we had the same tour guide and he was doing his spiel and I think he was sort of a little bit tired at this point in the day with four or five days into this cruise and he's like, I've had enough of these people. They've had enough of me. So he, um, there, was a, there was a South African couple that were traveling with us and they were also teachers in international school. So we had a lot in common, uh, apart from my brother. And then as he was doing his tour at the start, I was taking um, a picture of it because because obviously it's massive and it's just, it's so magnificent. So I started taking a picture. And to this day, like, I love it because Larry's in the corner taking a selfie uh, with the um, temple in the background. So just by sheer luck, I was like, who's that? Oh, it's Larry. Uh, so I was taking that picture and we just thought it was fabulous. So the guy was giving us his tour and they talk to you outside and then they let you go inside for a little bit to check out the rooms inside. And then you come back out again and you can sort of wander around the site dependent on how long your tour guide gives you. And we were trying to be good tourists, and we were listening to our tour guide and paying attention, and Larry just wanders over, slaps my brother on the back, and he's like, hey, man, how you doing? And just interrupted the tour guide. And then the tour guide was giving him the filthiest look, and was like, could you just stop talking now? So we got distracted. I'm not going to lie, I don't know what the end of that tour was, because we were having a chat with the boys. And then we went inside and got to have a look around inside as well. <laughs> Classic Larry. <laughs> All right. So is there anything else you 
really that really stood out to you in Abu Simbel, um, or should we just move on to your time in Alexandria? I think it's worth the trip. It's definitely worth the three hours there and back each way. If you're going to go to Egypt, you got to go to Abu Simbel. I, yeah, I mean, of course, I, I had already said that it was like the second thing I was looking forward to the most, but it's definitely well worth it. It's well worth the trip to, to get down there. And there's his temple, right? So you have Ramses II, his complex, and then to the side of it, you have the complex that he built for, you know, his wives, some of his wives, Nefertari. And it's a smaller structure, but there are monuments on the outside of that. Same kind of concept where you can go in and, and then, diff, you know, like see the hieroglyphics inside and the, you know, the tombs and the rooms that were built inside of the different temples. So well, well worth the trip down there. In looking up this temple, I came across some other Ramses II things, and I saw that Ramses II was the builder of monuments. Did you notice other monuments throughout Egypt of Ramses II, or was it sort of located to this, specifically located in this area? No, he's all over. He's got, I mean, he was at Karnak. He was at, again, like structures set up, just built just for him. You know, he was at Karnak. I think he was at Edfu as well. There are a lot of different monuments dedicated, you know, to him. And we had talked about at the Valley of the Queens, you know, a number of his of his wives, they're like honored there as well at the Valley of the Queens. So he's up and down Egypt, Ramses the uh, second. We also did an extra little trip when we went down that way because uh, we did the the Philae Temple, which is on. Um, on a lake almost. So they take you out on a boat ride and they let you go around that and then you get to go up to the temple. Um, so that was an additional one. Again, you could choose to do it if you wanted to. You just paid a little bit extra that day. And then that was beautiful as well. It was, it's like a very, very small version of like Horus, but in a lake. So it's quite cool. Meaning on an island in a lake? Yeah, right in the middle. Now, do you just take the boat around it or do you actually get off on the island and check it out? So you can do two types of trips. They allow you to just do the tour around on the boat and it's just a quick 15-minute ride around. Or you can then get off, get onto the island, have a look around and uh, go back again. So we chose to go onto the island, have a little bit of a hike around it and then uh, come back. Larry, did you also do that or did you opt out of that? We did not do that. We did not take that trip. So Larry, maybe as a, a history teacher, in order for all of these monuments to Ramses to be preserved, he must have been widely accepted by the Egyptians as a great leader. Yeah, I think that you have someone here who he represents the, you know, the third pharaoh, 19th dynasty, has, you know, he has something over 200 kids. He lived to be 96 years old. You know, so I think, like, as far as, like, leaving, like, an imprint on the country, he definitely did that. I think that, thinking about, like, my previous, like, history, I think once people get past, like, King Tut, like, Ramses II is probably the most well-known pharaoh uh, of the time. Um, and then, you know, clearly, like, people know about, like, Nefertiti, Hapchipsu, you know, think these people, but... I definitely, you know, he, he definitely made his, you know, his mark. In our final segment, we decided to give you some bonus footage of our initial recording and some outtakes to enjoy. And listeners, this is where Yaz met Larry. He was one of the guys on the moped. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> yeah, after their uh, so, car hit me, I had to uh, help me to the hospital. Yeah. And now he needs a new hip. Thanks. It's <laughs> <laughs> just doing my job. I was being a good citizen. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
you know, lion's hooves or whatever. I don't know how, whatever they're called. Larry, you're talking to two biology teachers and you just called lion's <laughs> paws hooves. <laughs> <laughs> Is it paws though? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so childish. <laughs> Or well, lions and hooves or whatever they're called. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, good stuff. Well, they don't have lions in Maine, so he's not used to that. <laughs> we don't got lions down here in New York either. <laughs> <laughs> we do have the Bronx Zoo, though. Come on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Just use Yaz's answer, then. <laughs> uh, we should just keep it in there as a goof. Oh yeah. You, I mean, oh what? Oh, you're selling some spices over there? How about you come over here and show me them spices? Huh? All right, come on. All right, I'll take a few of that, but I'll take it for like two dollars. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's like a every wink you give them takes a dollar off. Right? <laughs> yes, were you just about to say something before I just? Completely went off topic. <laughs> that way we can focus on Egypt here, and then we can get other countries as other episodes. If you're up for it, you want to make me talk to Larry again? <laughs> I mean, you can. You you've met us now. You can come by yourself now. So I know you were. I know you were nervous. You're like, who are these freaking weirdos that I got to talk to? <laughs> No, kidding, kidding. But we, did you have a different tour guide like per activity yes okay so we had the same tour guide the entire trip so he stayed on the boat with us and took us everywhere which is why i think we've had different experiences at different places yeah but that's why you also started disliking that person because you had to be around them all the time and <laughs> I, I got a different person so that's why yeah that's he loved Larry by the end of the trip, guys. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Love. <laughs> that's because they were. That's because they were both circling around the scarab together. <laughs> I just like Larry went around, and our tour guide went around, and we just had to pull them away from each other, and then it was just like move on to the next tour guide. You gotta go. <laughs> How many laps around a scarab do you need to make to have two hundred kids? <laughs> 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 very fertile very fertile a lot of a <laughs> lot of a lot of crocodiles floating around in that place <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of inspire beyond borders don't forget to follow us on instagram and twitter at ibb pod for updates and pictures from our guests and don't forget to hit the subscribe button on our podcast 